and welcome to Accepted, Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Alina Adams, author of the ebook Getting into New York City Kindergarten. Hi, Alina. How are you? I'm good, and I'm ready to talk about all the important dates and facts about New York City school admissions. Wonderful. I'm Victoria Chapman. We'll be helping to navigate this conversation. And if you've been listening, uh, we've covered so many things, dual language programs, charter schools, special needs schools, gifted and talented programs, and the Kindergarten Garden Connect. I understand that there's been a shift in the schedule, schedule regarding Kindergarten Connect, Alina? Yes, Kindergarten Connect, the form that you use to rank all your choices for general education kindergarten, will be out earlier this year than it has ever been before. It will be out on December 7th. Pearl Harbor Day, I hope that doesn't really mean much. But the fact is, it is earlier this year than it ever has been, so be ready. It is also closing earlier than it has ever closed. It is closing on January 15th. In theory, the city said as a result, you will be able to get your notifications in March, so everything will be earlier. But also, the Department of Ed is very good at setting their own deadlines and then breaking their own deadlines. So don't make any major plans. They claim this was done because it will be easier for parents. I'm not really sure how it will be easier for parents to have the applications due earlier, since that means that you have less time to tour schools you might be interested in. And on top of that, between December 7th and January 15th, you have a week and a half of winter break, which means nobody will be offering tours and nobody will be picking up the phone. But as there is absolutely nothing we can do about that, just be aware of the date. Kindergarten Connect opens December 7th and closes January 15th. This is one of the reasons your book is an ebook, isn't it? Absolutely, because I have had to go in and take the book, all the deadlines that I previously had listed in it, I have to change them, not all of them, but these particular ones. The book is an ebook because I can make those changes instantly and upload a new version of the book. And people who have the ebook also get a newsletter. There's a mailing list at the end of the book, so if you buy Getting Into NYC Kindergarten, you can subscribe, and I send you emails telling you every time there's a change, like, say, this one. Excellent. Full service. <laughs> okay, now, if you have been listening, and we've talked about all these different school programs, one of the things, the terms we've been throwing around is progressive schools and traditional schools. Quickly, can you give an idea of what that means? Well, the fact is most schools tend to use a little bit of both. There's very few schools that are only traditional or only progressive. But as a rule, a traditional school is more teacher-directed. There's a teacher standing at the front of the room. There's memorization of facts. Some people call it kill and drill. Usually uniforms, teachers addressed by as Mr. and Miss. Whereas a progressive model is more child-directed. Children's interests are followed based on what they're going to study. These are very broad terms. It can range from the Manhattan and free school, which is literally children ages 5 to 18 in one room voting on what they want to do on a given day. That would be more on the progressive side to traditional schools where the children are in uniform and they're learning things like Latin. And there's one school where in eighth grade, the kids have to draw a freehand map of Europe. All they're given is the longitude and the latitude, and they have to draw in all of Europe, including rivers and capitals and mountain ranges. So that would be a more traditional model. Okay. Well, today... We have you in conversation with two parents, two moms, one who chose to send her daughter to a progressive school and one who chose to send her three sons to three different traditional schools. We're going to find out what they liked, what they didn't like, and about both approaches. But Alina, you have an opinion about 
choosing one school or the other? It's not so much an opinion. It's more a little bit of advice. Basically, it comes down to this. Schools very rarely hide what they're about. When you tour a school, they're usually very happy to tell you what they're about. So if you choose a school, please be sure that you actually are buying what they're selling. For instance, I worked with one family who had their child in a very progressive school. The progressive school made a point of saying they do not force children to learn how to read until the child is ready and expresses interest. Well, this parent's child was in third grade and he still wasn't reading and the parent freaked out. But the fact is, this is exactly what the school promised. So drink the Kool-Aid, as it were, but don't go to a school where you don't agree with their philosophy and then be shocked when their philosophy is not something you like. Basically, caveat emptor. Caveat emptor. <laughs> Buyer beware. <laughs> exactly. Okay. When we return, progressive or traditional, which school is right for your child? Hi, and welcome back to Accepted Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Alina Adams author of the ebook Getting Into New York City Kindergarten. Today, we're talking about traditional versus progressive education. So what does it mean to send your child to a progressive school? Elise, Alina recently talked to Raven Snuff, a New York City-based writer who edited the popular blog Mommy Poppins and now contributes to Yahoo Parenting. Raven is also the founder of the very progressive Hot Mama Burlesque Show. Now, with a resume like that, better to discuss the pros and cons of progressive education in New York City. Hello, Raven. Welcome to Getting Into New York City Kindergarten. Hello. How are you? I'm excellent, and I'm excited to talk to you because you are a parent who sent your child to a progressive school. Can you tell me why you made that decision? Well, we live in East Harlem in a district where there aren't a lot of choices, to be totally honest. But I'd always heard really great things about the Central Park East schools, uh, one and two, which are both in East Harlem. They're separate independent institutions, but they're near each other and they share a similar philosophy. And after touring both, I really felt like Central Park East 2 in particular was going to be a great fit for my child. It was all the hallmarks of progressive education that I really loved for a younger student, things like no grades, no tests, a lot of experiential learning, not a lot of textbooks. You know, I feel like, especially when children are young, for, it's such a cliche to say inspire a lifelong love of learning, but you really want to do that. And the way to do that is to keep them engaged so that it's fun and it feels like play and it never feels like, oh, okay, you went from daycare or preschool where there was all this fun and now you're sitting down at desks and you're doing tests. And, you know, I, I didn't want that for her and I knew that she wouldn't get that at Central Park East too and she's in fifth grade now and I can say she never had that kind of rigorous sit down, open the books, you know, experience. Now, you said no test. Does that mean no test at all? Does that mean no state test? No, it does not. It means that the teachers aren't giving tests as part of the regular cu curriculum. But yes, the, all the students at the school uh, are, I don't want to use the word required, uh, or even encouraged. There was a huge opt-out movement, actually, at our school last year. Uh, and, you know, but, but it was not, 
you could opt out or not opt out. We actually didn't, and uh-huh. I'll tell you why. One of the things I love about the way that she's been taught is that she doesn't worry or stress about things like grades or where does she rank in relation to the other kids. She just enjoys learning and uh, doing it at her own pace, and her pace for whatever reason, whether it's her home life, I can't I can't say that it's only the school. I think a lot of things go into why kids are good at certain things and not other things. But she's always excelled there. So she said, I want to take the test. I want to see how I'm going to do because it's really the only time that she gets to kind of say, oh, look, I got a good grade. Otherwise, there are no grades. So she did take the tests, uh, and many kids do take the test, but many don't. The school is supposed to be administering those tests. That is true. You said that she was able to learn at her own pace. Is this an environment where all children can learn at their own pace? That is the ideal. It can, you know, it's easier to do that with things like reading and writing, for example. They use leveled books, uh-huh. so children are, are on a wide variety of levels in every grade. So I do feel like in terms of ELA, they are able to tailor it to the child and where they are at. Math is a little different. Math is done more sort of on a grade. This is what we need to learn for this grade. I would say in math, they all sort of learn at the same pace. You know, some kids master it more quickly than others, but uh, when they're doing a certain unit, they have to keep doing it until it's done. Even if you've mastered it in Mm -hmm. one day, if it's a five-day unit, you're going to do all five days. And how do you feel about that? I'll be honest, I would at this point, math is her strong suit, Mm -hmm. so she could move more quickly, but on the other hand, up until, I'd say this year, I really appreciated the fact that it wasn't about competing, it wasn't about being better, it wasn't about, oh, I'm on this level and you're on that level. You know, at this point, it's not so much that I want her to be in such a competitive environment, I just know that she could go more quickly, and so could other kids. She's mm-hmm. not the only one. And then there are other kids who are struggling with it. So I think that's why they try to even it out. It's it's really, they do give extra support to kids who need it. There is extra time built into the day if a child is struggling and needs help with something. She hasn't taken advantage of that, but it's nice to know that that's there. For parents who are considering a progressive school for their child and they're touring schools right now, what would you encourage them to look at that would suggest that this is a school that embraces a progressive mindset? Well, obviously, going on a tour, I mean, that's probably obvious, but you'd be surprised. (laughs) You have to always tour the school. Uh, You know, if a school doesn't want to let you have a tour, I know that a lot of schools are very overwhelmed, and then you have to sign up to, to get on their list. It really is important to tour the school and really look at how the kids seem engaged in the room. Look at how the teacher's teaching. Look at the work on the wall. I I feel like that tells you so much more than any amount of reading online or even talking to the administrators who are going to give you, you know, their version of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Really watching it in action is so important. And, you know, you have to ask yourself uh, in terms of choosing a progressive education, am I going to be okay with my kid not having tests and grades? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to say, oh, I'll be totally fine with that. But I won't lie, when she was in kindergarten and and, and even in first grade, there was that sense of 
she had friends in more traditional schools who seemed to be, quote unquote, ahead of her. Mm -hmm. And I had that kind of panic because I had gone to a traditional school. I mean, actually, I went to Cathedral, uh, mm -hmm. which is a progressive private school. But we had grades and tests back in the day in the dark ages. <laughs> so I don't know if they have it now. I think they're more touted as more progressive. But it's hard. You have to have a lot of faith. Okay, and you have to, instead of depending on report cards and test scores, you need to be talking to them and engaging with them yourself and kind of seeing, are they where I'm comfortable? They didn't teach reading at her school mm -hmm. until first grade. That may have changed because of the Common Core Standards. When she started, the Common Core Standards haven't been rolled out yet. But the thing is, a lot of kids in first grade at more traditional schools, they were reading books, and she was not. But I've got to tell you, when they finally did get down to teaching reading, she learned to read in a snap. It wasn't a struggle, and it also made her more confident. You know, I, I think if they tried when she was younger and it had been more of a struggle and she hadn't been ready, it might have been more difficult. You know, that's hypothetical, but those are things you really need to be comfortable with, that you can't constantly be comparing your kid to who, to children who are in less, you know, more traditional schools, and that you have to be comfortable assessing how they're doing based solely on teacher narratives. So we do get report cards. They just don't have grades. Mm -hmm. They do have a teacher narrative. Um, sometimes they even have pictures. Uh, and, you know, make sure that you're okay with that. If that's going to make, you know, you nervous, do not choose progressive education. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise. It was great having you. Sure. My pleasure. Great interview. So that was Raven Snuff, a writer and performer, and a big believer in progressive education. Now, when we return, we'll meet another very artistic mom, Tracy Page Johnson, creator of the cartoon hit Blues Clues. She chose, however, to put her children, her three sons, through traditional schools. Why and how did that all work out? She'll tell you when she returns. And welcome back to Accepted, Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Alina Adams, author of the book Getting into New York City Kindergarten. And today we're talking about progressive versus traditional education. Our next guest is the voice of your favorite preschool TV show, Blue's Clues. But Tracy Page Johnson is also a New York City mom of three boys who sends them to a combination of private and public schools, but all pretty traditional. Tracy explained to Alina how she chose the right fit for each of her sons. Hello, Tracy. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. So as a New York City mom who has three children in three different, very traditional schools, can you tell us why you chose the schools that you did for your kids? Sure. I, I have to say I feel like it was my child who chose the school. I myself am a very progressive artist. I worked in children's television as creative director and designer. And, um, you know, my firstborn, I think, I, I don't know how I gave birth to him, but he was the absolute opposite of me um, in every way. And he was a very information-driven kid, and he loved books, and he loved structure. And um, 
Well, he went to sort of a more, um, we did many preschools. We did, um, at the time, Claremont, which was now, I think, Montclair. Mm-hmm. And we, um, that was nice for a couple of years. And then we moved to Hollingworth Preschool at Teachers College. Now, now that is a preschool for the gifted, correct? That is correct. And he seemed very loving that philosophy of, you know, again, he was very, um, I feel like I gave birth to a 40-year-old <laughs> of just liking books and information and the subway system and systems. And um, so when we were looking at schools and the the director of Hollingworth, um, Connie Culianos, was so helpful in helping us find a place and never in a million years would I think that I would send my, my child to an all-boys mm. school traditional, um, but it was the right fit for him. And why was why was it the right fit for him? Um, well, first of all, you know, doing all the research of going into the schools, um, you kind of, it's like looking for apartments for <laughs> New York City, like you kind of know when you walk in. When I walked into St. Bernard, I just teared up, like I just saw him there, like, and it was not me at all. I, I wasn't into uniforms. I wasn't into the, um, you know, desks and all that stuff, but I knew that it was the place for him. And now that he is there and now I've been in that culture, I absolutely am sort of hooked on more traditional education and setting those skills and those traditional skills and the manners. And I've even come to love uniforms. I find it very handy in the morning to have uniforms. (laughs) But I like this, especially at St. Bernard's, the, um, it's just like Hogwarts and that old (laughs) tradition and the classics. I feel a bit not as, I don't like to say traditional education. I like more classic education. So you're studying Shakespeare and poetry and grammar and you're just, you're filling yourself up with all those classics and the skills that you get from there. Um, You you said that you were a very progressive artist person and there's a belief that somehow traditional education doesn't go hand in hand with creativity. How have you found it? I have found that I like the balance because their home life, um, my husband and I are both artists, that we have sort of this, you know, creative, we have a creative lab in our basement of, you know, just all these art materials and, you know, we're doing videos and um, our creative thinking at home and I kind of like the balance of they get enough of that at home. I like the sort of very good um, skill set and work ethic and sort of tradition to sort of balance to be well-rounded. That being said, I don't know, you know, if he were more like us, we might have gone a different path, but I'm, I really like the, the path that we've chosen. And for our second born, um, we're loving as well. I feel like he loves, he likes the structure and the, um, I have to say in the boys' school, of not being big athletes, we love that they teach everything for us so we don't have to. Because I do think, it, you know, it's great to know how to throw a baseball and, and be able to do a pickup game and, and do those things and, and have your um, body exercised as well as your mind. Now, you sent your youngest son to a citywide gifted program that's also traditional. Why did you think that would be a good fit for him? Um, well, one was money. <laughs> so that was a good fit for you. <laughs> and 
and not um, uh, you know private education is very expensive and he had that interesting cutoff birthday mm-hmm. yes that is it was show. December 22nd so he kind of had a year to try out public school because um, he was too young to try out um, mm-hmm. private. So he got in and it was kind of winning the lottery. I'm like, all right, let's give it a try. And I, and we loved it and he loved it and it, it seems to be working out. He is the youngest in the class. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're watching it. Um, but uh, St. Bernard's has been wonderful and understanding and maybe we'll switch him over at some point if it feels like the age right. issue is, is affecting his self-esteem or feeling, you know, in any of his growth. But um, and I have to say, I'm loving the, I like the variety as much as I, you know, I do have pangs of, you know, but he won't have the same, um, sh- I mean, I mean, I think they do do Shakespeare and Anderson, but, you know, not into the, the depths of uh, St. Bernard's and that, that classic. But he is learning a lot of, I would say that Anderson feels a little bit more progressive, even though it is traditional in some of their te- teaching methods. Uh, a lot of teachers college lessons and things in that philosophy. So that one is, I think Anderson feels a little more um, balanced of progressive ideas in sort of a traditional environment. What would you call a traditional environment? Um, I feel like the... It's interesting, the... The more test, you know, the testing mm-hmm. of things, the memorizing of things. I mean, they're certainly doing that. Um, Do you find more of that testing and the push to the test and the teaching to the test in a public school than you would in a private? Uh, I feel right now, because I've only gone into first grade with the public, it feels about the same. Mm-hmm. They're doing about the the, the same in, um, you know, in the first grade test spelling words and things like that. Let me ask you this. Anderson calls itself a school for the gifted. Most private schools, very few private schools, call themselves a school for the gifted. Do you see a difference in that? Um, I feel that definitely in the curriculum at Anderson, and they will say this, is that it is almost a year ahead. So, you know, they might start in kindergarten. They start off the year in kindergarten, but then you start doing first grade things. And in first grade, you're doing second grade. Um, and how does that compare to the curriculum in a traditional private? Uh, it, it feels like it's it goes a little it's a little bit more advanced. Mm-hmm. Definitely knowing that what Oliver or what um, sorry what, what my youngest was doing in um, Anderson is way is a little bit further up um, than my guys at St. Bernard's. So would you recommend a traditional environment for parents, as long as it's a good fit for their children, would you recommend a traditional environment for parents who might be concerned about the fact that they won't get enough creativity in a traditional environment? I think so. I, I mean, I do I, I do believe that every kid is, you're, you're given this flower, and they might be a rose, a cactus, a daisy. You have to find the right environment because you're not going to change your, your kid. Um, and I felt, or I feel that this traditional environment, even being a creative person, I like what I'm seeing. And as long as your kid is thriving and liking it too, I, I really like the balance that it brings. And I don't think any any school nowadays, 
private or um, public traditional. You know, I think we're evolved enough that no one's going to squash anybody's creativity. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I feel like we, we've evolved um, to a certain degree. And if you see that happening, then you would take your, your kid out. But I have not had that problem. In fact, I find actually it was a, a wonderful description was um, – analogy was given to me once where there's kind of two types of people, two types of artists. One, they love the blank page mm -hmm. and they can just draw and they don't need anything. And others, you need a little bit of structure or something to, to hold on to. You need to be told kind of what to do to sort of get your creativity going or the your uh, mind thinking a little scaffolding and I feel and maybe it's boys and in, in general sometimes need a little bit more scaffolding and sort of learning those skills and having that structure has helped them I think feel more creative and free where sometimes just the blank page can just be a little intimidating well, we can't talk about uh, creativity and being an artist and you without asking the question. You were one of the creators of Blue's Clues. You are the voice of Blue's Clues. Uh, we need to know, what are you working on now? Um, I have a company called Yummy Co. Delicious Media, good and good for you. And we just got a Kickstarter campaign. We just made our goal, and we're doing a pilot um, called Yummy Lou, which is a food adventure show for preschoolers. Um, and I feel very passionate after raising three kids or in the midst of <laughs> three kids, the power of television and how we can use it for the power of good of getting them to um, be food adventurers and trying new food. You know, I think all parents would love a show for preschoolers that would help them um, make good choices and learning about food. And the research shows that the more preschoolers are exposed to food, um, the more likely they are to eat it and try it. So why not sort of get to the preschoolers' heart with lovely characters and worlds made of food and excite them to go on food adventures themselves. So where can parents see a preview of this exciting food story? Yummico.com, Y-U-M-M-I-C-O.com. There will be um, information about that. And we do have a little teaser trailer and a little music video. And then in Mar by March for sure, um, the pilot will be complete. And, um, you know, from there, the, the landscape of children's TV is changing so much with streaming. Um, we might, you know, go with a network to do a show or might just self-stream or Amazon, Netflix, who knows? We'll see. It's, it's very progressive and that's <laughs> very progressive. Thank you so much for being with us today, Tracy. Oh, very much appreciate it. Thank you for this amazing podcast. I wish I had it when I was looking for kindergarten. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Great conversations today, Alina. Looks like they covered both sides of the issues pretty well. So, we've got a listener question. What if you choose one educational philosophy and discover it's not a good fit for your child? What's a parent to do? Well, the first thing to remember is that you are not locked into a school, whether it's a K-5 to or a K-8 to or a K-12. to When you commit to kindergarten, that doesn't mean you have to stay there for the whole run. The fact of the matter is the learner that you think your child is at age four may not be the learner that they are at age eight. And there is a lot of movement that goes on, especially around third or fourth grade, when your child sort of settles into their learning style and their learning personality. 
So be aware that maybe you thought progressive would be great for them, but maybe they need traditional. It is perfectly fine to go look at another school, and that school will not hold it against you. It won't be something strange. I'd like to switch schools. Just be honest with them. Tell them why you want to move and see if you can find a better fit for your child at this age. This not, might not be the last time you move them. Maybe what they need at 8 is not what they need at 12, or maybe what they needed at 12 is not what they need at 14. Remember, no school is a life sentence. I like that. No school is a life sentence. We all look forward to graduation. <laughs> but then there's more school. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been a great conversation today, Alina. Where to find the book? Where to find you? You can find my book, Getting Into NYC Kindergarten, on Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. You can also go to my website, alinaadams.com, where you can find out the next place I will be giving one of my free Getting Into New York City workshops. You can register at the site or you can register with the organization. And I hope I'll see you there. Sounds good. Well, that's it for today. We look forward to listening um, to listening to having you listen to us. Next well, and time. we'd like to listen to you. If you have a question, make sure that you email alinaadams.com at gmail and we'll answer your question on the air just like we've answered others. Have a good one, and we'll catch you next time.